Welcome to Word First Radio, the podcast of Word First Ministries. Tune in each week and join us as we pursue God's command to make disciples of all nations. What is up, you guys? Welcome to Word First Radio, the podcast brought to you by Word First Ministries. I am your host, Jacob O'Neill, and as always, I'm joined by my friends Cameron and Bailey. Hey, yo. Bailey, pray us in, man. Of course. Lord, we ask today again that you would help us to um, just recognize how we can present your gospel more clearly to others um, and just how we can recognize the barriers that they might have in their minds um, and how we can help to um, overcome those barriers and even use them um, in our conversations with them. So Lord, we love you. We dedicate this time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you, man. And as you mentioned in your prayer, we are continuing, that's the Mm. word. Uh, (laughs) I'm going to do contouring. (laughs) Yeah. Continuing our uh, series on barriers, Mm. unpacking uh, some of the potential obstacles that people might have uh, between them and Jesus, some of the ones that we've experienced here doing evangelistic work. Uh, Last week, we had a great conversation on science and faith. Mm. And... um, that was a lot of fun, but now we're going to have a very serious conversation about something pretty serious. Yeah. Um, as promised last week, we're going to solve and tackle the problem of evil. So, the problem of evil. I should move over, move over, Alvin. Yeah, we got it. That's right. <laughs> We're dressing. <laughs> That's right. Word first. <laughs> We're, yeah, we shouldn't laugh. It's a serious, mm. serious mm. issue. So uh, the problem of evil is something that uh, most people mm. are actually really aware of, even if you haven't read um, any of the uh, relevant literature on it mm. or have been to a philosophy class. Um, people are very familiar with this uh, mm-hmm. tension uh, that exists, that is, that is perceived to exist mm. between the Christian worldview, the gospel message, and the existence of evil and suffering in the world. Mm-hmm. So Cam, our resident <laughs> apologist. <laughs> okay, all right. <laughs> Woo! Okay. How about, just real quick, you define the problem of evil yeah. um, mm-hmm. for us. Because mm-hmm. uh, I think a lot of people uh, kind of intuitively know what it is. They mm-hmm. intuitively perceive what the problem is. Mm. But let's just get it on the table. What is the problem of evil? Yeah. Um, I mean, so the problem of evil has been explicated for a long, long, long time. Yeah. And um, it's intuitive. So I would, t- I would say that probably most Christian apologists would tell you that the problem of evil is the most difficult problem to, to address. Mm. And I, I would dare say that it's not because there are no good answers. It's that the problem of evil, uniquely among other objections to the existence of God, has a deeply emotional and, yeah. and even mm. a pastoral component, I would say. So... The difficulty about it is even if you have an intellectually true answer, it's not necessarily satisfying right. mm. such that it's that you go, oh, okay, because because the heart of the matter hasn't mm. necessarily been answered. Right? Even, even though the problem can go away, it doesn't feel like it's gone away, and it doesn't necessarily address my life, right? even, though there's a, even though there might be a good, valid, true answer on the table. So the problem of evil is, is there, gosh, there's a lot to say, but right. I'll start with, it's something like this. Christians describe a God who's a certain way. So we believe in, uh, in fact, we described him a couple of episodes ago when we, were, mm-hmm. when we were talking about the gospel just as such, that God is perfect in knowledge and justice and goodness and wisdom. Right. And they go, okay, so you keep describing this God to me who looks like that. Mm-hmm. But it, that kind of being 
is incompatible with with some features of the world that I see around me, mm-hmm. namely evil and suffering. Mm-hmm. And the kinds of evil and suffering we, that we talk about as we discuss this kind of problem might be different. So it might be gratuitous evil and suffering, which is you, you might understand how some amount of evil and suffering are either created by mankind or sort of metaphysically necessary given the 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 features of the universe and the the constraints of humanity or something like that some of that you can explain and go okay but there's there's the extra stuff mm-hmm. that doesn't doesn't look like there could be any reasonable explanation for its existence if your god is like this then this kind of evil and suffering for sure shouldn't exist they yeah. they are they they can't commingle and like i said that's also tends to be a very personal problem like that's mm-hmm. in the abstract um you forgive me. I don't think it's that difficult to to answer in a way that's intellectually satisfying. Mm, sure. But when someone asks me, "Why am I? If your God exists, why am I suffering like this?" And people mm-hmm. really suffer in really horrifying ways. Mm-hmm. And so most people who are dealing with the problem really see it in in uh, in two. There are two main varieties. There's a logical problem of evil. Logical problem of evil says the kind of God you're explaining is incompatible with the existence of evil that we see. And it's usually presented as a trilemma that if God is all knowing and he is all virtuous and he's all powerful, Mm -hmm. then he can't be all three of those things and evil exist. So the existence of evil implies that good, that God is either not all knowing. So who's ignorant of the evil or doesn't know how to solve it, Mm -hmm. that he's not all good. He allows gratuitous evil and suffering um, because he, because he's not perfectly virtuous. He he uh, he's powerful enough to stop it and knows how, but mm-hmm. chooses not to because he's not good, mm. or he lacks the power to put an end to the evil that we see. And so, in any case, God can't be can't have all three of those characteristics. Yeah. Mm. God either doesn't know how to mm-hmm. get rid of evil, won't, mm-hmm. or can't. Right? Okay. Mm-hmm. He won't because he's not, because he's not good. He can't because he's not powerful, or he doesn't know how to because he's not all knowing. And of course, Christians claim that God is all three of those things. Mm-hmm. So now we've got. We've got a question to answer. Mercifully, Alvin Plantinga put this to put this basically to bed. I mean, it's it's really rare throughout the history of philosophy where a um, where an argument is just is just thrown away. Like where mm-hmm. everyone goes, "Oh, yeah, that solves that." Okay, moving on. Mm-hmm. This is one of those examples. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it turns out, and I, I won't. Maybe we'll spend time on it later. I don't know if now is an appropriate time. But basically, Alvin Plantinga shows that the existence of evil and suffering is not at all. Um, not at all logically logically contradictory, contradictory yeah. mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. to a being that is that is that way, and yeah. it's all, conceivable that yeah. God could have all of those attributes yeah. and still allow suffering right. for some reason, but, right? And he offers yeah. just one. In fact, he he just he offers one. He did, this doesn't even have to be <clears throat> the reason, but he offers yeah. a free will defense, and he also offers. He, he says, "Look, all we need in order to break this trilemma is." a morally sufficient reason for God to allow this evil. So if it's possible that one of those exists, <laughs> then there is no logical contradiction between a being of this type and the kind of evil we see in the universe. So that's the logical problem of evil. Not much time is spent there anymore because yeah. the truth mm-hmm. is there isn't a logical problem. You just have to posit the possibility of a morally sufficient reason to allow evil. You don't even have to have a true one. It just has to be logically possible and you don't have the logical problem anymore. Mm-hmm. But then there's the kind of problem, the people who deal with it or who, who spend time thinking about it and talking about it call it the, um, the evidential problem. Yeah. 
or the evidential argument or something like that. But um, that's the one that touches us the most. And I think that's how most people, Bailey, we talked in the last episode, you said a lot of people don't know the names or the arguments or all that mm. stuff. It's just something that touches us and is intuitive. This is the intuitive mm-hmm. version. Mm-hmm. And the intuitive version is like, is something like maybe there's no logical problem, but the existence of the kind of evil and suffering that I see mm-hmm. sure is unbecoming of a kind of deity, that, the, the kind of person that you're talking about. So yeah. if your God, if the, I see this kind of evil and suffering, and that implies there's, that your God is not like you say he is, mm-hmm. um, because he wouldn't allow maybe this particular instance. Here's some evidence. Yeah. Um, or that any, uh, I'll leave it there. I'll, sure. I'll, there. There's a lot to say, and a lot, of, a lot of smart people have said a lot about it, but the idea is basically mm-hmm. that the evidential problem is that this kind of suffering is evidence against God's nature being the way that you Christians describe it to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I appreciate you uh, listing those and unpacking them, the, mm-hmm. the logical problem of evil versus the evidential problem of evil, yeah. which I think most of our time should be, should be spent on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that um, what touches uh, people deeply about this issue is that uh, when, we say, when we're talking about evil, like we're not just talking about like what are called like moral evils. Mm-hmm. So those uh, examples of those would be like shootings or like drug overdoses yeah. or mm. um, if God is real, murder. why are people so wicked? Mm. Right. Yeah. And I think uh, a lot of people, uh, even those who who aren't Christians, kind of like understand that. Like, okay, mm-hmm. yeah, people are wicked, right? Yeah. People can mm-hmm. do evil things, right? But then there's the natural evils, the kind of evils of like tsunamis or hurricanes yeah. or diseases that that mm-hmm. kill people, mm-hmm. and it's like, you know. There was no moral decision of like someone to be like, I'm going to cause a hurricane to destroy mm-hmm. a village. And it, it just happens. It's part of the way that the world goes. And it's, it, it, I think, rightly causes people to like scratch their heads a little bit and be mm-hmm. like, why, why would a God who is loving and powerful and good and, no, and all-knowing allow those right. kinds of things to happen? Right. If your God is like this, then why Krakatoa? Right, right. <laughs> why pick any any terrible natural disaster? Yeah, and that's why. So I think we should be careful to say when we talk about the problem of evil, it's evil and suffering. Mm-hmm. So we have people experiencing these terrible, horrible things. That it seems to me, if your God is the way that you describe Him to be, then people should not be having these kinds of experiences. Mm-hmm. And maybe yeah. not even necessarily people. There, we talked about gratuitous evil before, and one of the sort of um, paradigm examples when you're talking about gratuitous evil is you can imagine like a a, a baby deer burning alive mm. in a forest fire yeah. and there's no one around to hear it and whatever like you you might say okay well god allows evil in order to accomplish x and you go there's no one around like x is not being done by a lone baby animal burning alive in a fire that no one sees and has no effect no effect on humanity at all and mm-hmm. so that's something we have to wrestle with. We go, okay, maybe there is inexplicable suffering in the universe, and why wouldn't God end that? Like, he could do a miracle, mm-hmm. and he could stop the fire right there. Like, there's stuff he could do that would not at all, that, that doesn't seem to have any impact. Like, it would avoid all of the answers that Christians classically have given for why yeah. God allows evil. Like, that doesn't affect anybody's free will. It doesn't, uh, mm. it doesn't expose, it doesn't overexpose God and therefore, therefore violating our free will because he's, he's right. revealed, uh, enough, too much of his nature, like yeah. the flaming sword in the sky, et cetera. Mm. Yeah. So, uh, so it's tough. It's a, it's a real, it's a real problem, but I think that there are very good 
answers and responses. Yeah, and we'll get into those. But uh, yeah, do you have any thoughts on? Yeah, Um, I just emphasize like you guys already did emphasize it a ton, but um, the fact that this one really is uh, like it's probably the most intuitive, at least today, Mm -hmm. the most Mm -hmm. intuitive um, problem that people come across when you like you bring up God. And this is one of the first things that I think comes up for almost everyone's mind. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is much more of a like pastoral, emotional question mm. yeah. um, that needs to be like addressed in that way, it, whether you're telling the gospel to someone. And like in experience, like I've, we've encountered this problem um, or this roadblock mm-hmm. when sharing the gospel with people. And uh, even more so, like I've encountered this problem in our ministry at the orchard. Mm-hmm. Like, and it's not always in a, hey, here's the gospel, and then someone responds with, well, why does this happen? Mm-hmm. Um, most of the time, it comes up um, just when you're talking about God in someone's life or when you talk about God at all mm-hmm. on a personal level with someone and there's a hurt mm-hmm. or a deep pain somewhere in their past that is instantly like brought to the top of their um, heart or mind, yeah. and they just lay that out before you, and they're like, "Well, how does like mm-hmm. how can you say all that stuff about God? How am I supposed to believe that? How am I supposed to follow this guy? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Knowing that this happened in my past, like how do I possibly reconcile that? Um, so it's like like you're saying, it's a very pastoral, very emotional, evidential question." Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not just when sharing the gospel. Yeah. Like it obviously comes up when you're sharing the gospel. Um, yeah. It just follows because, us in our Christian life. Yeah. Where is mm-hmm. God in the midst of this? So sure enough, we can look at our past and say, mm-hmm. where was God then? Yeah. We can look at our present and the present of the people that we know and love, like mm-hmm. who go through really tragic, horrifying things. Go, where is God in this? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just yeah, in our normal walks. Like mm-hmm. we can be um Christians who are totally um on a like upwards trajectory with God. Mm-hmm. Um but just wake up one morning and we're confronted with that question like burdening our souls. Yeah. And we're like wondering um for me like the baby thing. Like mm-hmm. obviously I don't think the having the blessing and miracle of a baby in my life is comparable to the suffering that we're referring to in the world. Mm -hmm. But that can be a thing in my life that causes me to question like, what is God thinking? Mm -hmm. Like, why is he giving me a baby when I don't have finances secured and like all these Mm -hmm. different things? Um, I don't even know how to work one. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. um, And there's, I don't know if you want to get into your example now, Jake, or if you want to share it later, but there's a specific like gospel encounter that we had. Mm -hmm. We're sharing the gospel um, I don't think we got really into the detail of what the yeah. problem was for the gentleman, but mm-hmm. there was, yeah. There was, and that's, uh, <clears throat> thank you for that setup, because I was actually going to jump right into mm. that. In Norway, uh, personally, this is the objection that I hear the most mm. uh, when I'm evangelizing uh, to, to Norwegians. So it's normally comes out in 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 a way where they're like, I was a Christian when I was a kid, and I believed in God and went to church a, a lot. Um, and then uh, an uncle I was really close to passed away mm-hmm. unexpectedly. Mm. Or I look at, I, I'm, I'm an environmentalist, and I look at 
the suffering of, of the world of like tsunamis and hurricanes and forest fires mm-hmm. um, caused by climate change or the mm-hmm. heat of uh, the heat in the atmosphere. And I think, and I see that and I'm like, I cannot reconcile that with who God is with, yeah. with what I'm, what I'm told mm. that there's this loving father that, that cares for me and cares for his creation. And then I see like babies being born with cancer mm. and it's like, yeah, like how or, or like mm-hmm. why if god really loved me he would not have let my uncle die yeah like he would not have let my best friend in the whole world pass away mm-hmm. that that is the way that it normally comes out uh, at least in my experience here mm-hmm. in norway mm-hmm. um and so there was one encounter that that uh me and bailey were talking uh, uh, this gentleman we were talking to um we talked about it previously on the podcast uh, but mm-hmm. uh we didn't get super deep into it it was the gentleman that told me that he believed that God was real, mm-hmm. that Jesus died and rose from the dead, uh, and that he wanted nothing to do with him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, his reasoning why, uh, we didn't get into, uh, but we will now, the reason why that he didn't want anything to do with God is because he believed that the God that exists, the Christian God, is an evil sociopath. Mm-hmm. That because, and the example he used was, because there are people who exist with gender dysphoria, mm-hmm. people who believe mm-hmm. that, um, they were born with uh, male chromosomes and male uh, sexual organs, mm-hmm. but they be- they believe that they're women mm-hmm. on the inside, and that that's a. I don't know if this guy struggled with that or mm-hmm. if that was part of his past. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I imagine. Uh, well, I don't want to speculate. I don't know. Yeah, but it was important. Mm-hmm. To him. But it was important to him. Uh, yeah. and, and he's like a god that would allow something like that to happen is evil, and mm-hmm. I don't want anything to do with him. Yeah, and, so, and you don't have to have that example, right? So you could fill that in with a million different things. Sure. Like that, mm. But that, I mean, that is the that is the problem of evil as we as we encounter it is a God who would allow that mm-hmm. either I can't believe in or I want nothing to do with. Yeah, and the like the logical argument is only offensive in that case. Mm-hmm. Like if you hear that and you say, "Well, like who are you to judge God's morality?" Mm-hmm. Like you're asserting your own morality there. Right. That's only <laughs> going to offend. Right. And well, if I say to him block. like. I can logically, deductively prove mm-hmm. that the existence of your case yeah. and the existence of the God of Christianity is not logically contradictory. Right. Mm-hmm. You break out a so blackboard, you're, you're like, wait, let me, an- actually, right. I can answer this for you. This is going to be so good by the time you're done. It's yeah. like, that's actually nonsense. You don't have to. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. Well, that's offensive. That's yeah, like, of if you say that to people or if someone, if you're like a pastor, you've done pastoral mm-hmm. work. A little um, bit. I've had the opportunity, <laughs> not, as, not as a pastor yet, but mm-hmm. to counsel youth group students. Yeah. yeah, of course. Talking to me about, like man, my my parents are getting divorced, and mm. it is a, mm. it is a burden on my soul, and I can yeah. resonate with that. If I were just to turn off my emotional human brain and just be mm. like, wait a second, your parents are getting divorced is totally logically compatible mm. with the with the God of Christianity. That's yeah. offensive. That doesn't reach people. Actually, actually, there's a morally there's a morally justifiable reason God's allowing this to happen. Mm. Aren't, don't you feel better now? Yeah, and they never do. Right. <laughs> would you talk about that? It's it's good to talk about the logical defense um, mm. when you're teaching a class or if mm. you're uh, filming a podcast. Um, but uh, when you really are talking to people and trying to empathize with them and mm. trying to introduce them to Jesus, mm-hmm. uh, to your point, I think that's such a great point. That's why I'm talking about it so much, is that it, it just doesn't do the job. It's yeah. offensive and it doesn't reach people. It doesn't, it doesn't make them love Jesus more. Mm-hmm. It just makes them hate you more and yeah. think that, well, that guy really knows a lot of stuff, but he didn't really help me with what I'm struggling with. Mm-hmm. 
And um, that's, interesting. that's interesting. That's a really great insight. And so uh, obviously this is something we've thought about um, in our personal lives and our mm-hmm. relationship with God. Um, let's uh, pass it over to you, Cam. Sure. How do you kind of reconcile this? How do you, how do you deal with the suffering that's happened in your life, mm. whether it be human-made evil or yeah. naturally occurring evil? Yeah. How, how do you reconcile that with uh, the fact that you believe in a God who's all-knowing, all-powerful, and all-good? Yeah, I'll, I'll say a little bit. You cut me off and stop me whenever you want to. But I think I'll just sort of lay out my whole perspective, if that's if that's all right. Yeah. I'll try and answer your specific question first, is how do I deal with it? I, I trust God. Mm. And that, I think, is is the difference. So you can answer the question on an academic, intellectual level, and I believe that, those, that there are good, sound, true answers to the right. question. How do I deal with it in my own life is I'm confident enough in God's character that even when I don't understand it, I trust him anyways. Mm. Uh, because he's shown himself worthy and loving. He's proved himself. Yeah. So God's proved himself. So so when it's hard, but I do my best not to blame God in the midst of difficult things. And scripture gives us these wonderful assurances that God has proven true also. The assurance that the things that man intends for evil, God will use for good mm-hmm. and that he will make, he'll make goodness out of awfulness. And he's done that over and over again. And he's used it to, uh, to help me to grow and to understand and to be more like him. Mm-hmm. So because I have the confidence, uh, because I have the assurance of what I've seen God do in the past and I know his character, then in the midst of something that even is, is difficult to explain, and there, there's hard stuff, and I am sure the hardest is yet to come. But in the midst of that, I'm not quick to, to blame God for it. But I understand that he will use it to make me more like him. He will bring good things out of it, and we've, we've all seen that. And that he's not, to, he's not to blame morally, while I can also believe that he could have prevented this if he wanted to. Like God could have prevented this if he wanted to, but mm-hmm. I, I trust him enough. But somebody who does not believe in God and has no relationship with him has no reason mm. to have that kind of confidence and assurance as they, as they look around the world and see all these awful things. So sometimes I, I might make an example like this. This is one of those, those uh, answers that's not super satisfying, but I believe is nonetheless true. For me, I, you can imagine, so you guys know my, my daughter, Cheery. Mm-hmm. Let's do Celia. She's younger yeah. and more precocious. Um, but you can imagine that she has uh, an inflamed appendix mm. and it's going to burst. And if she does not get it operated upon and, in fact, removed right away, she will die. And so now imagine explaining to her, listen, what we need to do is we're going to take you to a stranger and we're going to strip you naked and we're going to knock you unconscious and put you on a table and then we're going to cut your body open mm-hmm. and start taking stuff out. Mm-hmm. She might not think that that's a real good answer to my tummy hurts. Right, right. Mm-hmm. She might go, "You're going to what? Yeah, yeah. yeah. We're going to put you in front of us in front of a stranger naked and put you on a table mm-hmm. and make you unconscious and then cut open your body and start taking parts out." Sure. Um, I view my I try and view my suffering the same way. So I can imagine mm-hmm. just the epistemic distance between myself and my five year old. Mm-hmm. Um, I know so much more than she does. And that distance between her and me is is minute mm. compared to the distance between myself and God. So if I can see from my perspective, 
I can see, no, actually, Celia, this is what will save your life. And I understand that you don't get it. And I understand that it sounds like torture. And imagine we, the, imagine mm-hmm. there's a time before there's anesthesia, right? right. We're just going to hold down your limbs yes. so, you, so you can't stop us from doing this and cut open your body, right? Yeah. Uh, so make your own example. Yeah. But I can actually explain, I know as a father, this is what's required to save your life. So right now you're in pain, but your pain is going to turn to death. And unless you let me do this to you, you will die and death is forever. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's ever going to sink in, but what do I expect her to do? I expect her to trust me. Mm-hmm. Celia, do you trust me? And she trusts me. And why does she trust me? Because flawed and broken, and I, I guess I'm speculating that she would trust me. And maybe mm. she won't because <laughs> she doesn't let me do really easy stuff sometimes like brush her hair. But um, you can imagine the world in which she does trust me and the reason she would is because I've proved myself trustworthy in those instances before. So yeah, I mean, I have a real life example of pulling Chirsten's teeth out, right? Mm. The first couple took hours because she just wouldn't let me do it because she didn't trust me when I told her what it was going to be like, me pulling out her, you know, wiggling tooth. Um, But as I've proven myself trustworthy, then she trusts me with more Mm. of those things. So that's how I approach my relationship with God and the existence of evil in the world. Now, that's not real satisfying to somebody who doesn't know God and doesn't have a doesn't understand or doesn't have a relational history with Him, mm-hmm. of Him sh- proving Himself, uh, proving Himself trustworthy and the manager of suffering and trusting that He's in control of the world and and the best world from His perspective includes this event, mm-hmm. and His perspective is the best because He has perfect knowledge, justice, and goodness. Yeah. So. Uh, Anyways, so I would say me knowing all of those things allows me to trust God in the midst of not only my own suffering, but the suffering that I see in the world. But that is not real satisfying to somebody who doesn't know God in that way mm-hmm. and is in the midst of their own suffering, evil, trauma, chaos, etc. I've got a lot of thoughts on that. Yeah. Um, but I don't want to dominate <laughs> your, your no, chance I'd, to go there. I'd actually appreciate it if you go. Sure, like, no. Because I feel like you're going to let us <laughs> take the conversation and then we'll steer somewhere else and we'll miss out on your answer to that. Well, here's what I'll say. You bring up Genesis 50-20, right? Um, speaking of which, Genesis 50-20, do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah. So, thank you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I do. I just so happen to have yeah. some thoughts on a Bible verse. Imagine that yeah. from Jacob O'Neill. Um, so. Uh, Gen- you bring up Genesis fifty twenty, uh, where uh, Joseph, a uh, character from uh, mm-hmm. the book of Genesis, yeah, <laughs> chapter fifty, yes, the uh, last chapter in the book of Genesis. Because so, I have a degree in theology, I just want to <laughs> go ahead and flex right. that I know that Genesis has fifty chapters. <laughs> that's right, it does. Um, it says, uh, "What you meant for evil, mm-hmm. God meant it for good, yeah. and to bring about the salvation of many." Yep. Mm-hmm. Who is he talking to? Yeah. He's talking to his brothers, mm-hmm. and so the the Joseph story. Let's just go through his life. He was betrayed by his brothers mm-hmm. and thrown in a ditch and left for dead. Mm. Then they decided that wasn't enough and sold him into slavery. Yeah. He works for a man named Potiphar whose wife accuses him of sexually assaulting him mm-hmm. and gets thrown into prison. Mm. Then he helps a guy get out of prison who then forgets about him for years. Right. Mm. And then he gets to um, be put into a position to save uh, mil- probably at that point millions of yeah. Egyptians right. from certain death in a seven-year-long famine. Mm-hmm. Joseph, at every point in the story, is the victim. Mm. He's the victim of a betrayal um, from from uh, from unwarranted betrayal. Right. People who should have loved him and supported him as their younger brother and as uh, the employee of her husband right. is betrayed at every stage of the story. And the victim of the story 
at the end, mm. reflects and tells the perpetrators, the people who wronged him, said, you meant this for evil. But now that we're at the other side, we can step back and see the whole tapestry of what right. God has been doing. Yeah. So even though every thread in the tra- tapestry we have left for dead, sold into slavery, ac- accused of sexual assault, falsely mm-hmm. accused of sexual assault, thrown in prison and forgot about again, even though that makes up every thread of the tapestry, now that we've seen the whole carpet, the whole drape, the, the, everything, yeah. we can see what God has been doing this whole time. Like if, if that had never happened, millions of Egyptians would be dead and they would never have known about God. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so I can personally reflect on my life. So, some of the situations I've been in where I feel like a total victim, like mm-hmm. feel totally hurt and betrayed and people have hated me like without warrant mm-hmm. and completely undeserved. Um, and I can look back now. I had a conversation with my dad about one of these situations actually in our life. Yeah. And my dad is, uh, knew very well what I was talking about. And I looked at all of the little dominoes that happened to where we are now, to where what happened is a little, uh, like a 10-year-old boy who's mm-hmm. in my dad's care now mm. happened as a result of all these different little sufferings and evils that happened to me. Yeah. And he now goes to church and loves Jesus mm. and is excited about the Bible mm-hmm. and ask my dad a bunch of Bible, like reminds me of me when yeah. I was that old, uh, that mm-hmm. age, ask my dad all these Bible questions yeah. and he's struggling with the problem of suffering, but he trusts God and he's excited to go to church. And I told my dad, I was like, you know what, looking back, if that kid like ends up believing in Jesus and having faith in Christ the rest of his life, it, all of my suffering would totally be worth it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really what I what I said to him. And there are some days where I don't feel like that. Sure. There are some days where I want to wallow in my victimhood and be yeah. like, you mm-hmm. know what? I was that was unjust against mm-hmm. me. And the suffering that I dealt in that time was uh, to me unbearable. Like yeah. as a teenager and, and as a very young adult. Um, but there are moments like right now, incidentally, where I do have the clarity to kind of see, mm-hmm. like, okay, you know what? Like God had his glory in mind mm. and my good in mind yeah. and the good of this child mm. that may have never ever been to church yeah. if I didn't go through what I went through. Mm. And, um, uh, and really what I say is to God be the glory. Mm-hmm. And I want to get more into that later. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's really what I say. I have to look back and say, you know what, to God be the glory. Yeah. He knew what he was doing. And it was, uh, I, I feel like, that's what we have to kind of have to do yeah. as Christians. And, well, that's good. Yeah. Can I pick it up there? Please. Yeah. So I have, I have two thoughts. And so that is, so when people ask me about this or when they, they talk about the, the problem, mm-hmm. um, I think there are two, I want to say mistakes but, or failures or something, but I think we fail mm-hmm. to have an appropriate perspective when, mm-hmm. when we come to this problem. The people mm-hmm. who don't trust God in that way yet, they don't have that relationship. And so the, the first one is we can point at examples in Scripture or examples in the world, and we can zoom in close enough to them that we say, why this thing? Mm-hmm. Mm. And then we erase the context of the whole picture, and we erase the context of relationship with God. And so if we're going to I'll continue with my analogy, that's like zooming in. Imagine being in a courtroom being grilled. Father, Cameron, father of Celia, are you evil? No, I'm not. Well, true or false, Mm-hmm. You allowed her to be held down and have her body cut open by a stranger. Yeah. And they go, 
well, no, that's not really. No, no, no. True or false? Mm, and you go, yeah. no, that's really not what was happening. True or false? This way, right? And you can be mm-hmm. pressed on that one mm, question. You go, yeah. well, true. Well, that's evil. How could a loving father allow yeah. his? And you go, well, wait a minute. Yeah. Mm. Like you're leaving out the you're leaving out the whole context of her life being saved by this thing that really appears to seems to be evil, right? And mm-hmm. you, you go, you you haven't told the whole story, mm-hmm. and right? And uh, so I'll say I'll say that I think when we we give examples and we don't tell the whole story, which I hope Jacob you'll get into because you think you're excellent at telling the whole story. The second thing is mm-hmm. whatever evil we see in the world. That's how we calibrate our worldview as far as evil, like as far as yeah. the bottom is concerned, right? So if there's a world where paper cuts were the most egregious uh, sure. form of evil, and I, I, please, I don't mean to be trivializing real, real evil and suffering. Yeah. I, I understand. And I understand that I don't understand other people's mm-hmm. suffering. I, I, I promise I don't mean to be flippant. Nevertheless, imagine a world where paper cuts are the worst suffering people endure. That Nobody would be in that world... Not nobody, but we wouldn't be in that world going, this is pretty great. Mm-hmm. The worst thing ever experienced is a paper cut. You'd be saying, what kind of God? Yeah, what kind of monster, what kind of monster God would, yeah. allow this, would allow this kind of world? And the truth is, we can imagine a world with way, 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 way more suffering. Way worse. And that's just inside our limited imaginations, right? Our broken, limited, stupid human imaginations. We can come up with worlds... That are that include way more suffering, mm-hmm. and so we don't give God credit for the extent to which He limits the mm-hmm. suffering, and specifically limits the ability of of evil humans to say, inflict yeah. suffering on on mm-hmm. one another. Yeah, so good. you could you could imagine some kind of sadist who loves to torture people, but mm-hmm. and forgive me, I don't again don't mean to be flippant, but he can really only torture like one person at one moment. He's not he can't bilocate. And torture sure. two people mm. at a moment, or be omnipresent and torture an infinity of people all at once, mm. or however many people exist, or whatever. He can't. To- he can't do that. He literally mm-hmm. can't carry it out, or because he only has, um, because he only, we'll say, has access to one dimension of time that goes forward. He can't go in the past and torture people, re-torture people over and over, mm-hmm. right? Or because people are are separated by distance. And, it, and distance takes time to cross. We can't do all of the evil that our hearts would be able to cook up. So you might also say, so that, I guess that maybe that's three things, but let's have some, let's try and grab actual real perspective. We can zoom in so far that we miss context that actually gives a good and satisfying answer to the question. Mm-hmm. And we can also fail to realize that our experience calibrates our expectation of what amount of suffering would be allowable. And two things to say about that. One is a naturalistic worldview doesn't have any answer to the problem of evil. So I don't understand why it would be preferable. And secondly, that addressing the problem of suffering includes the ways that God limits suffering in our present age. And so we can talk about blaming certain instances or whatever or suffering in general on God, but it would be, it'd be disingenuous and it would be um, dishonest not to include the ways that, and they're significant, the ways that God generally reduces evil and suffering in the world. Yeah. Um, let's get you in on this. Um, <laughs> um, what are some of the reflections you have on kind of mm. what we've been talking about? What, I, mm. what I'm interpreting the conversation to be going is that we're, we're trying to think about God's perspective in allowing evil mm-hmm. because he sees the whole picture. Mm-hmm. He sees 
the the impacts that these events have for now and in eternity. Um, and so what are your reflections on that and anything mm. else you might want to add to the conversation? Yeah, I have a ton. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's good. So I'll tackle like the non-Christian kind of way mm-hmm. I'd look at this problem first. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'll go to the Christian perspective or whatever second. Sure. Um, so for the non-Christian, um, I think one like significant thing to make sure we realize when we encounter the roadblock or the barrier of the problem of evil and suffering in someone's life to them hearing the gospel um, is that if you if you're in a gospel conversation or any sort of conversation and you hear suffering that has occurred in someone's life mm-hmm. um, like Christian take a second and realize like um, that gospel conversation must now be promoted to a or a, an evangelistic relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, like once you hear the that vulnerability from someone, because um, that's what pain and I'll, that's what I'll get into in a little bit. But I think pain and suffering are heavily intended to um, create in us uh, an awareness of our need for like our dependence mm-hmm. on God, mm-hmm. whether we realize it or not, like That's we have good. that dependence. It's really good. Yeah. Um, thanks. Um, <laughs> I like that a lot, actually. So I think pain and suffering are heavily intended to help us to recognize that um, and to just realize that there, there are heavier things than the stuff we busy our time with. Like mm-hmm. we're worried about our iPads and our sure. video games and our, um, even our children. Like we're mm-hmm. worried about good and things of this world. Um, but instances of evil and suffering and pain in our lives continually serve as reminders for us that there's something more. Like mm-hmm. there's more weight. There, there's a soul that I have that is burdened and like feels awful. And mm-hmm. that's the thing that needs to be addressed. Um, and only through pain and suffering do we really get brought to our knees. Like uh, scripture says in Psalm 42, well, this is from a song, but it's pulled from Psalm 42. Mm. Um says, deep calls to deep, waves of unbelief, breakers crash and bring me falling to my knees. It goes on and on. Where is my God? Mm-hmm. And the Christian would answer that question um, or ought to answer that question with, my salvation is in you and you alone. So reasserting their faith in Christ. Um, but most of the time, um, the pain and suffering we experience just brings us falling to our knees. And yeah. I think God is always intending for that to bring us to a point where we say, where is God? Mm-hmm. Like, where is the, mm-hmm. the thing that's supposed to make all of this make sense or all mm-hmm. right? Um, like the injustice that I want to be made right, where is that? Mm-hmm. The evil that I want to be made good, where is that? Um, so for the non-Christian, um, I, I wouldn't have like a way to make sense of it that I can put in words too well. Mm-hmm. I'd say just if a Christian hears those words, like words of suffering or pain from a non-Christian, then like it's your task right then in that moment to elevate that from an from a gospel conversation to an mm-hmm. evangelistic relationship mm-hmm. where you realize they've opened their heart to you. Mm-hmm. And like only God gets to deal with hearts. Mm-hmm. Only God gets to just reach into people's hearts and move things. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But if someone's vulnerable like that because of pain and suffering in their life, that's a way into their hearts that you've suddenly yeah. been given. And it 
you, that's invaluable. Can uh, I, is, can I yeah. say something real, real quick? Hopefully real quick. Mm-hmm. And that's something that is not just a true thing maybe we talk to people about, but Christians, like, remember that. Mm-hmm. Exactly what Bailey was saying. And, and especially in the midst of your own, of your own struggles and difficulty and, and real significant sufferings. Mm-hmm. That's one of the mistakes that all of the false religions or some of the false religions make is we talked about like elevated humans mm-hmm. and you have deities and, and demigods who are unfamiliar with, um, with human experience. But our God is good enough and clever enough that in the incarnation experienced the worst of human suffering. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we have a God who is brilliant and clever enough to literally understand yeah. human suffering and he took it on himself. So when we are crying out, what is the suffering? God says that he is a, a comforter. Like if God, how can God comfort us? He knows what suffering is. He took the, the worst of it on himself or justice. He suffered the worst possible mm. injustice yeah. mm. and he took it in himself, which is a creature's killing God. Mm. He took that in himself. So there's nobody who understands better mm. either being victimized mm-hmm. or being, um, uh, so that is treated unjustly or actual literal worst of human suffering. We serve, uh, we serve a Lord who knows both intimately and promises to comfort us in our distress. Mm. That's one of my favorite ways to think about the kind of this issue and where yeah. it lands in my life. Uh, Hebrews chapter four, I mentioned this a couple episodes ago, but I'll do it again because it's mm-hmm. so amazing. Hebrews chapter 4 says, we do not have a high priest that is unable to sympathize mm-hmm. with our sin, with our mm-hmm. struggles. Like he understands, I think of like any kind of suffering, like, okay, well, does God know what it's like to have a friend die? Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like, Jesus and Lazarus. Does God know what it's like to have debilitating anxiety? Yes. The, the night before Jesus mm-hmm. was crucified, he is sweating drops of blood mm-hmm. because he is so anxious uh, about the suffering he's about to go through and the yeah. injustice he's about to face. And so Bailey's point, that suffering and that pain, very oftentimes for us, is the, is the pathway that can lead us right back to God, mm-hmm. that, that, that tells our soul and makes our soul thirst for a Savior. Mm. And what's interesting is, now that I'm thinking about it, Jesus learned the same thing mm-hmm. in the Incarnation. And he, as he's in the garden, he's mm-hmm. like, God, my Father, who has loved me from eternity, is if there's any other way mm-hmm. that we can do this, that we can accomplish the redemption of, of mankind, let that happen. Yeah. But what I want more is your will to be done. So mm-hmm. remember a couple episodes ago, uh, we had uh, some books from the Ahmadiyya Islam yeah. mm-hmm. uh, sect. And in one of those books, we didn't get a chance to talk about it, and that's fine, um, it, it called Christianity, A Journey from Facts to Fiction. And mm-hmm. it's trying to debunk Christianity, and it's a terrible book. It's a terrible argument against Christianity. Yeah. But one of the arguments he uses um, is that, well, Jesus prayed for this cup that's mm-hmm. in the hands of the Father, 
this cup of suffering and wrath. If you look at Old Testament imagery, it depicts God's wrath being contained in a cup many Mm. times. Jesus prays for this cup to be removed from him. And their argument is that Jesus was so righteous, such a holy person, that Mm -hmm. his prayer would not go unanswered by God. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, you are missing the point. His his greater desire Mm -hmm. was not that the cup would be passed from him, Mm -hmm. but that God's will would be done in him, that God's love and grace and will would be demonstrated in the Son. Mm -hmm. And that's the perfect trust relationship between the eternal Father and eternal Son. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, I don't know if I want to say eternal sonship but you mean father and son yeah. have been in relationship for as Since long as in they eternity past <laughs> yeah, i don't know if i like that either but anyways yeah who've never not been in relationship right who can say humanly this is going to be awful like jesus knows the details of what's about to happen to him but i love that you say that his greatest desire mm-hmm. was but god mm-hmm. I, I trust you more if there's a way if there's a if there's another way i know you'll give it to me I want your will to be done, whatever yeah. whatever that costs. His yeah. prayer was answered because mm-hmm. that was his prayer. Yeah. And I, I think that um, your insight of that that suffering is that kind of bridge back to um, back to God mm-hmm. is kind of the um, uh, that's what hearkened that you know in, mm-hmm. in my mind that yeah. that situation. Well, I have this I have this thought. Is it all right if I continue? Please. Mm-hmm. Yes, I have this thought about so I think. We learn as we grow, as we mature and we grow wise, we learn to always ask, compared to what? Mm. So when we have a question about just something that's wrong or something that seems, um, that seems imperfect or broken to us, that just comparing to our mind, our perfection, or not even that, not even having a comparison, just saying this bad thing, um, therefore something, we have to ask as compared to what? So that's one of the, one of the things that I like to think about when we're confronted with the problem of evil is say, well, compared to what? Mm. So let's start with, hum- with the evil that humans cause. So, so we, there's so much evil in this world, I think way less than we really, than we really understand that is directly attributed to human wickedness. Mm. Then there's the evil that's indirectly beca- caused by human wickedness. And you go, what kind of world would God need to have actualized in order for that not to exist? Mm. So you could imagine humanity that is... Uh, that are automatons that have no uh, no uh, mind, will, and emotion of their own, yeah. and are therefore incapable of of doing anything wicked. And you can see why God might not want to actualize a world like that. That Alvin Plantinga offers a, a free so called free will defense mm-hmm. for the problem of evil, and he doesn't even say this is true. He just goes like, "Here's one here's one possible defense, and that's all you need to break the logical problem." But you go, "No, no, God wanted free will creatures with a real." with real morality in the universe and real virtue and a real relationship. And so you can't have automata if that's, uh, if that's the universe you're trying to actualize. You need creatures that are actually able to carry out evil things. You might say, okay, maybe we're, we have the desire and the will to carry them out, but a good God would make it impossible for us to carry out our, our evil desires. And then if you spend one second, not one second, maybe that's not fair, spend one minute thinking about what a world like that must look like, mm-hmm. It's uh, to to borrow a phrase from uh, from Clay Jones. It's a cartoon world, mm. right? It's a Tom and Jerry world. It's a yeah. uh, is it a Pokemon world? I don't know. Pokemon. It's a Pokemon world. <laughs> it's a, yeah, it's a Looney Tune world. It's a Looney it's Tunes a world. world. So you can imagine somebody who has hatefulness and wants to you know uh, and wants to uh, stab his his friend, stab some victim yeah. to death. Like, how does that work? 
Are there no knives? Well, no, we have knives in that world because we yeah. need to be able to like do legitimate knifely things. Uh, but when I go to stab somebody with it, it, it goes floppy. It turns into a noodle. Mm-hmm. It, whatever. It, it's impossible for me to carry out the wickedness in my heart or if push someone off of a building and they bounce. Or like right. start thinking about what does that world look like where we're, we're able to live normally but not able or only we're only not able to carry out our evil desires yeah that's a cartoon world right. and it's unpredictable you can't you can't live in it there's no there's no regularity mm-hmm. you don't know when a knife is going to turn into a noodle or a hammer rubber, yeah. right or a hammer turn into a sponge or um it's uh that kind of world is is completely it's completely unworkable and it's silly. Mm-hmm. It's nonsense. I love that thought experiment. It mm-hmm. comes from Dr. Clay Jones, yeah. who was one of your uh, My professors. <laughs> he wrote a book called Why Does God Allow Evil? It's yeah. like his magnum opus. Like He's been studying he's been, for yeah. a long time. He's been really wrestling with that problem since yeah. he was in high school. Yeah, and I love that thought experiment because of like, I, as I was reading his book, I was like, mm-hmm. well, let me play advocate. Let me just be like, okay, yeah, fine. God should have made a cartoon world. And I'm like, right. oh gosh, how terrible would that be? Mm-hmm. Like you'd, We talked last episode about how important science is mm-hmm. and that because of the Christian worldview, science is possible. How could you possibly like do science? Like you're creating, you're in a chemistry lab and making, you know, chemicals like mm-hmm. you do in a chemistry lab. Mm-hmm. And it's, you make a uh, composition that's supposed to blow up mm-hmm. and instead just flowers spread out and you yeah. don't learn anything. It's like, I'd be a ball of anxiety and yeah. like I would never leave my house. I'd be like, the world has no regularity. There's no principle of induction mm-hmm. that the future will be pretty much like the past right. in the way the world regulates itself. And it's just, it's a cartoon world. That right. world is unlivable. Or imagine yeah. the world where explosions work when it's, your, when it's the engine in your car, but explosions don't work when you want to blow a bunch of people up. And yeah. you, and. It's com- it's unpredictable, and you can't even you right. can't even begin to do science or understand the world around you. It's completely capricious. It's completely chaotic, mm-hmm. and it makes no sense. And mm-hmm. by the way, yeah. doesn't take care of the problem of wickedness in human hearts. Yeah, right. All it all it does is is makes it impossible for me to carry out the evil that's already there. And yeah. that was Jesus' whole pro- not his whole project, <laughs> but that was a significant part of Jesus' project. So that's I, th- I think. Uh, uh, the last thing we should talk about, mm. I think, we're, as, as we wrap up that... Oh my um, gosh, we're wrapping up? We, <laughs> I feel like I haven't even got started. There's so much to say. There is so much to say, and um, maybe we should talk about it definitely some other yeah. time. But you actually segued us into really what I think is... Um, if I was evangelizing to someone, mm. like this, is, I have done this, and, and what, I would, what would be like the what I would center the focus on, mm-hmm. like uh, hopefully in a gentle, sensitive way mm-hmm. uh, when they bring up the problem of evil, and that is the problem of the human heart. Yeah. So um, what, <laughs> what is the answer when someone asks, why does God let bad things happen to good people? The yeah. answer is... There are no good people. <laughs> and so that's kind of a flippant way to say that, but yeah. let's just... That's true. Let's very quickly unpack that. Clay yeah. Jones talks about this in his book, mm. and he talks. he spends like two chapters or so on depravity, I'm not even going to give really too many examples. If you want to learn more about it, you can read the book. You should read the book. You should read the yeah. book. It's, a, it's excellent. I, mm-hmm. I read it in two days because it's like a real page turner. I mm-hmm. couldn't put it down. Um, but he talks about like, okay, well, what about the Holocaust? Those were normal people who were brainwashed into thinking Jews were evil and needed to be murdered. Mm-hmm. And people are like, okay, well, that's the Holocaust. I'm like, okay, fine. Well, what about uh, Nagasaki and Hiroshima? We mm-hmm. dropped two nuclear bombs on almost like 200, 300,000 yeah. people. In, instantly incinerated yeah. more than a quarter of a million civilians 
and we knew mm-hmm. about it beforehand. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, uh, uh, and people can be like, well, that was war. That was yeah. to end war. And, he, and uh, I'm like, okay, fine. Well, what about abortion? Like, well, what about abortion? Not, not everyone's had an abortion. I'm mm-hmm. pro-choice and haven't had an abortion. Yeah. Yeah, but that's the thing, right? Mm-hmm. How many of your neighbors are okay with it? And how many babies have been murdered since mm-hmm. Roe v. Wade was passed in the U.S.? Yeah. And so his point is like the problem is that all of these things, all of these examples, the source of evil is the human heart. Mm-hmm. And what mm-hmm. God accomplishes in the incarnation and the, and the atoning sacrifice of Christ and his concern this whole time has always been the human heart. Mm-hmm. And so I have a couple of examples from the Old Testament to kind of show this, but we have a, a, from Jeremiah 29, 13. Mm-hmm. It says, you will seek me and you will find me, but only if you seek me with your whole heart. Mm-hmm. We have the first and greatest commandment is to love the Lord mm-hmm. your God with all of your heart, mm-hmm. soul, mind, and strength, meaning that everything in your human being, everything that drives your mind, will, and emotions, you need to love me with all of that. Mm-hmm. We have in Ezekiel 36 is that I will cleanse your heart. I will sprinkle clean water on you, and I will remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. Mm-hmm. So the, the, the question of why do bad things happen to good people? There are no good people. Mm. Everybody's heart is turned in on itself mm. and is uh, seeks after their own desires, which is to hate God and to do whatever serves themselves. Mm-hmm. And God looks at God, who has the eternal perspective, steps back and says, "That is the thing mm-hmm. that I want to deal with first. Yeah. Uh, before I deal with your suffering, which is real and legitimate, yeah. and before I deal with." Uh, yeah, you're suffering. You're you, then this egregious pain that you deal with. You're, the problem with the world is that the human heart is turned against God, mm-hmm. and so when God allows that pain, mm-hmm. that pain and suffering. Um, I, mean, I keep going back to the thing you said because I think it's genius. Is that that is the that's what creates the bridge mm. to the human heart yeah. being replaced with a heart of flesh, mm. that where God's spirit dwells inside of us and gives us a new life and Mm. it gives us a new heart Mm. with new desires ones that say god i don't want to go through this suffering if there's any other way that i can live this life without the suffering Mm -hmm. like let that happen but Mm -hmm. not my will your will be done well and there's man again so there's so much to say Mm -hmm. but if you so if you take a a perspective that i think is the right one of the world which Mm -hmm. is that god has given us parameters He's given us borders and boundaries to carry out the evil that our hearts want. So the problem is the humans' hearts mm-hmm. and their capacity for wickedness. And God has put um, has put walls up, yeah, so that we can't carry out the wickedness that's in our hearts. So I think the world is best seen as a place where God limits the amount of evil and suffering that we're allowed to inflict, yeah, and He allows a certain amount of it. And I can think of lots of reasons. But one of the reasons that suffering exists in the world is so that we know that suffering exists in the world. Mm. And in fact, to prepare us for a relationship with God because we know what it looks like to be outside of his, um, outside of his, the perfect shalom of the, his eternal relationship. So why do these awful things happen? Well, one of the reasons is so that we understand that awful things happen. Yeah. And we understand that we have the capacity to really hurt people. We talked about mm. that on a couple of episodes ago. Like people talk to me about evil and I ask whether they have ever failed to meet their own moral standards. And when they tell me yes, I say, "Why? Mm. Why have you not why have you not lived perfectly in accordance with your own moral standards?" Well, I think 
that the, the capacity for human evil and the reality of the evil we're allowed to do shows us just how bad we can make the world. Mm-hmm. And so God allows, I think, one of the reasons, and maybe I'm wrong, but I don't think I am. I think one of the reasons that God allows such suffering is because it shows us how horrible suffering is. Like, mm-hmm. why, yeah. why did he allow Jesus to be crucified? That whole thing could have happened in private. And Jesus could have, right? It could have happened in the, in the 1920s and he got the electric chair in the 18th <laughs> century and he got beheaded or whatever. Like, we can, right. why did God allow that to happen? Because it's a picture of what our sin does. Mm-hmm. What's the, one of the purposes of the whole sacrificial system? Like, why does stuff have to die and why does blood have to go all over the place? Because it shows us how awful sin is. And if we don't know that suffering is a thing, we won't know that suffering is a thing and we'll mm-hmm. have an even higher opinion and view of our own virtue which is not something humanity is suffering right now right we 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 do not suffer on account of not know of uh we oh, let me say it this way we overestimate our own virtue all the time there's no one who goes right. around thinking man i'm really evil mm-hmm. I, mean, I mean christians do we and not in a not in a pejorative way but we recognize that there are depths of sin so that's one thing but pe- the evil people think they're doing all right mm-hmm. right everyone in jail everyone in jail yeah. thinks that they got a raw deal Mm. or that uh, you know those other guys are really bad every every man who abuses his wife is like man this is real i'm this is i'm really terrible it's like no i'm you know those other guys are awful but i'm doing okay yeah. you spend any time counseling people and you realize the view of everyone is that i'm okay and maybe other people are really really bad sure so we get to see the badness of those other people mm-hmm. and understand that there's badness in the world and to Bailey's point, it should drive us to our creator who promises to comfort us, and to Jacob's point, promises to make a world where all of that suffering is ended. But it doesn't happen just because God God has made a cartoon heaven. Mm. It happens because we have experience in this life preparing us for the next to see Mm. the consequence of of evil and sin and rebellion against God and actualizing a world that God hates. And I'm sorry, God does not hate this world, but we see what happens when 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 we... Things uh, happen that God hates. When we yeah. do the things that God hates, we see what that world looks like. I wanted to give you a chance to have the second to last word. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, as we wrap up, what are some extra reflections you have? Um, I, don't, I think I'd just say like the um, in an evangelistic uh, relationship or conversation. Yeah. Um, like, obviously, you can't, um, you have to be wise about when you launch all of this kind of information at them. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's why I think, like, um, realize that this is a relationship now mm-hmm. and, like, this needs to happen over time. And, like, my job isn't to tell them how um, unjust Jesus' suffering on the cross was. Mm-hmm. Um, like, my job isn't to hammer that into their heads right now. My job is to continue in a relationship with them Um show up for their suffering consistently and like um, present that as their hearts and minds allow it. Mm-hmm. Um, so like don't hide Jesus's suffering. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think um, that and also to, um, oh gosh, just um, mm-hmm. like realize that the um, suffering, what can you summarize really quick what you mm-hmm. just were saying? Because I, yeah, so what I'm saying is one of the reasons there's suffering in the world is so that we know that there's suffering in the mm-hmm. world. Oh, oh, I remembered, sorry. Yeah. Um, so one of the, like, the thing that um, sin or, like, 
the thing that's suffering in our own experience of evil keeps us from seeing in terms of the gospel mm-hmm. is our own sin. Mm-hmm. So like when someone is struggling with the problem of evil and suffering, even if it's a thing where their hands aren't guilty for it, yeah. um, uncle died. Yeah. Um, them focusing on that is essentially an assertion of their own righteousness. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's essentially us getting caught up saying like, I'm good. Um, I don't deserve this. And like, it's us foc- focusing on that and mm-hmm. wagging our finger, questioning God. Um, and our mm-hmm. energy is spent doing that rather than realizing there's blood on our own hands. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah. the thing that needs solving. Right. Um, right. You've so, been that question in someone's life. Yeah. Someone has asked, why is, if God is real, why am, why is this happening to mm-hmm. me? And it's your fault. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So just to realize that, like, um, yeah, it it might not be the time right now when you mm-hmm. hear the problem of suffering come out of someone's uh, mouth, but um, one thing that's occurring there is they're seeing that much more emphasized in their minds than they're seeing God mm-hmm. and their relationship with Him. Yeah. Um, so, like, that's your ultimate goal is to show them what that relationship looks like right now, which is non-existent, dead, broken. Mm-hmm. Um, but like. Right now, you have a path to their hearts mm. and a way that you can connect them to that clear picture of God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I uh, could not have said it any better myself. Um, and so I think one of the things that I think the thing that we'll leave it on is that uh, we've had lots of reflections, lots of very serious reflections about, you know, this issue that deeply mm-hmm. touches people. Um, and the thing to remember. Um, the thing that uh, gives me the most hope and the most confidence is that we have a God who from before the foundation of the world planned that he would become a man, take Mm -hmm. on flesh, and suffer with us. Mm -hmm. And the only innocent man who ever lived, who created this world, was beaten, tortured, and crucified by his creation Mm -hmm. according to plan so mm-hmm. that he could make a way for our sins to be forgiven yeah. and to live with him. Mm-hmm. And that God could use that, mm-hmm. the most evil event in all of human history, to produce the greatest good for us mm-hmm. and the biggest glory for himself mm-hmm. means that God can use the suffering in my life mm-hmm. and in our lives and whoever's watching this and in your life. God can use that suffering to produce a good for us in this life and in eternity and glory for himself. Mm-hmm. And that those two ends, good for us in eternity and glory for himself um, in scripture are the tapestry. It is the, the mosaic, the, mm-hmm. the painting that God has been painting this whole time. In eternity, we get to step back and see it. God will restore the victim. Mm-hmm. He will take in the orphan and mm-hmm. comfort the widow. Mm-hmm. And it, God will do all of that and wipe every tear from our eye and restore the world to its original intent where there is no suffering. Mm -hmm. And that's amazing, glorious, good news. And we appreciate you guys watching and thinking through some of these issues with us. I hope I, um, it's my prayer that anything that we said uh, was able to help you and strengthen your faith and help you think through a very difficult, serious issue. Mm -hmm. And we hope you'll tune in next week to talk about uh, in, in another very serious issue about potential barriers to the gospel for people here in Norway and around the world. So we'll see you again next week. 
Thank you so much for listening to Word First Radio. If you like the podcast, please like, share, and subscribe. If you want to learn more about Word First and how you can support the ministry spiritually and financially, check us out at wordfirst.us. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Word First Radio, and we'll see you again next week. God bless. God bless.